0: Good morning, and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hi, everyone. I'm Shimon Shkuri here with Coffee and Cap Rates, our podcast. And today, I'm here with my partner, Victor Sozio, and both of us are going to talk to you a little bit about the first quarter of 2023 and its multi-family highlights. Hi, Vic. How are you
1: doing? I'm good, Simone. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, and this is another opportunity to tell everybody who's listening what we're seeing in the market. And We've seen a drop of transactions in the multifamily sector in the first quarter of 2023 to $2.11 billion, and that is not surprising. We expected that to happen. We saw a slower fourth quarter because of interest rate, the growth in rates. But Vic, I think you have a different perspective on it. A little bit why don't you share it with us
1: sure and you're right volume was definitely down it went down to the low two billions up from a pretty active fourth quarter in 2022 despite the rising interest rates but if you look at it in a more historical perspective it's not too far off of what we considered an average quarter prior to the change in legislation in 2019 and the pandemic in 2020, where we saw many quarters really end up being about two and a half to $3 billion in volume. so not too far off of that. What I found interesting was that it was the first time since the pandemic that no transactions of over $100 million per multifamily properties occurred. And that's pretty interesting and potentially reflective of institutions being a little bit more cautious about where they're deploying their capital, and their hesitancy in light of all the volatility and higher interest rates. And actually, they're dealing with a lot of different circumstances and situations on their own behind the scenes. Yeah.
0: And the bright spot is predominantly free market multifamily, both small and large, are doing well and are in demand. In fact, we found that a lot of what traded was in the class A and class B, protected tax class less than 10 units. But you and I know that moving forward, the same institutions that were pausing maybe in the fourth quarter of 2022 have become a little bit more active. We already saw two new transactions, and we know of a few others that are slated to close hopefully this quarter or maybe the quarter after. I want to talk a little bit about those.
1: You're right. There already have been a few or several transactions above $100 in the second quarter, one being the Stonehenge Purchase, of the Upper East Side building on East 92nd Street from UBS, another one being Mayor Orback and Josh Gottlieb's firm purchase of the Solo, another asset in the Solo portfolio at 265 East 66th Street for over $400 million. And like you said, we know of a few, including at least one that we have under contract that could also be over $100 million. So that's promising and, and going to account for a decent chunk of volume in itself in the second quarter. And I think what is interesting. And what we're seeing at the same time is new listing activity is definitely slower, right? The amount of sellers that are willing to sell in this market, knowing that they're probably not going to experience values anywhere close to where they saw it several years ago, they're not listing unless they have to. So certainly a lower amount of available inventory at the same time I think what we started to talk about you and I, Shimon, and and socialize with other members of our company is that although it's fewer, some of these are more motivated and you know, from a buyer's perspective could be more quality situations where the counterparty is actually looking to meet the market and transact full knowing that it's not the perfect environment to do so.
0: Yeah, and I think that you're hitting on some really good points. And I think that the fact that there are Mortgage maturities and mortgage resets that are going to come due this year is going to show in in my opinion more forced sellers as the year developed. I thought it's going to happen in the second half of the year. but the other thing that I think you and I are seeing is that if you have a building with an assumable mortgage. Today, at a lower rate, you do get a little bit of a premium, which is super interesting. So, definitely something to think about. Should you and I touch a little bit on the watch list, maybe?
1: Sure.
0: So, let's start with rent growth. Rent growth has been robust throughout the city. Actually, surprisingly, when you and I spoke in the last quarter, we thought it's going to slow down a bit. It didn't. And in many cases, We don't see it slowing down. In fact, if you look at the dropping volume in New York City, it's only 39% compared to 75% nationwide. And I think that's a testament to the strong fundamentals and lack of supply of housing in New York City.
1: Maybe you want to comment a little bit about what we can expect, briefly maybe, from Albany? There's a lot to unpack there it kind of cuts both ways as a bright spot and a negative. And in one way, it shows the resilience of New York in comparison to outside of New York. At the same time, I think it also shows our real need for affordable housing, not only in the lowest income brackets, but in the middle income brackets as well, where I feel a lot of tenants are just taking on leases where they're overburdening themselves or rent burdening themselves, which you know continues to be a problem for New York City tenants. To your point, RGB started issuing data last week in relation to increased operating expenses. And what that data showed is that really significant increases are required in order for property owners to keep pace with expenses and continue to operate their properties and not cut corners on taking care of their properties and the deferred maintenance that accumulates, that is not a recommendation. They still have to get to July when we ultimately see where the increases will land. But I think it's fair to assume that it'll probably be even more than last year, which was already three and 5%, which is much more than what we saw in the previous year. So I think. New York rents are performing well on free market assets. It is a function of diminishing supply. You see the pipeline of new development that is slowing down as well. So that is reason for concern, especially without a tax abatement, which goes into your point about the politics. And also what's interesting is New York is kind of an outlier right now. When you look at the rest of the country, really rents have not only flattened, Pretty much in every other market outside of New York, or the majority of markets outside of New York, but they've actually gone down significantly in a lot of these markets while New York continues to increase, which does make it an outlier. But it's a pretty complex picture. You know, when we start to go into the politic aspect of it, doesn't look like Governor Hockel is making a lot of progress for her agenda this year. So I don't know if that means a new 421A successor will come along. So, you know, a lot of these. Problems might continue to exist even after this legislative session. Unfortunately.
0: So, just to summarize, quarter uh, with a drop in volume and probably a bigger quarter, at least from a, a larger transaction perspective, a few hundred million dollar plus in this quarter and in this coming quarter, and maybe maturities and resets and other items are going to help us see more transactions in the second half of the year and maybe some stabilization in the interest rate environment. Do you see any other
1: headwinds we should be concerned about? We didn't touch on the impact that the recent bank failures can have on our market and, and the other lenders that remain. Right. So we can talk about that a little bit. I mean, I do think that has presented a dynamic where not only investors, but the lenders are being much more cautious in their underwriting and what they're comfortable in proceeding with. I think for a lot of active multifamily investors in New York, in particular, Signature Bank was a very strong relationship lender. They knew that they were probably in their corner if they weren't able to succeed with other lenders and push and pull their numbers. They knew they had a good, solid balance sheet relationship lender that can close it. Maybe the rate will be a little bit higher. Maybe the proceeds will be a little bit lower, but they would have a lender. And not having them anymore or seeing... What happened there, I do think, has led to some loss confidence. Yeah, a, a
0: short-term credit crunch, for sure, Vic. I mean, I think you're correct, and we're seeing this in the past few weeks. I do think it's an opportunity, though. I think that's an opportunity for existing lenders who are here and new lenders to come in and take over existing values or lower values multifamily and reset the values on multifamily got rent stabilized or free market and enjoy a great collateral in new york city so i think that long term a year from now we'll see two or three new lenders that are here and and probably some of the existing lenders will take over short term i completely see it with you on the credit crunch it's definitely hard to refi out of deals today Well, with that, anything else to summarize this discussion about the first quarter of it?
1: No, I think we touched on the main points. Thanks for having me today. And thank you for everybody who listened.